Welcome to the weekly podcast of Calvary Chapel, South London, a church where the truth of God's word meets and transforms the reality of our daily lives. We hope you are impacted by this week's teaching. We are in a mini-series, I suspect you could say, still dealing with issues with regards to our State of the Church address, particularly with regards to dynamics of discipleship. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15? Our message today is front page news. Would you say that with me? Front page news. And this is going to be part one. 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 11. Paul says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. The gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. I'm reading from the ESV. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain... For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Let's talk about... Now, I know what come up in your mind as I said that, right? That song from the 80s. Let's, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about news. Now, what is one of the most common mediums or vehicles for news today, not talking about the internet. Age old, for years and years. You probably grabbed one as you got on a train on the way to church this morning. Oh, is it? I don't know if they do them on a Sunday, actually. Newspapers. They don't do them on a Sunday, do they? It's midweek. Newspapers. Let's talk about news. A common means of communication or a medium for Information is newspapers. Now, I know you can read newspapers online, but let's keep it old school for a minute. Ink print on literal white paper. Now, Pastor P told me um, the other day that he was proud of me because I'm keeping it old school. For, for those of you don't, that don't know, Pastor P, he ain't really feeling this modern-day tech um, iPhone, iPad, laptop business, particularly in the pulpit. <laughs> and um, with regards to us as a team, I suppose you could say that in this you see unity in diversity in the presbytery, right? Presbytery is just a fancy name for leadership. 
You ain't going to see Pastor P up here with them kind of technology. Although he might end up eating those words at some point. I don't know. But for the time being, you ain't going to see that. Now, Pastor E, on the other hand, when you see him come up here, he's on the other extreme, right? I can't remember the last time I see Pastor E with his Bible. <laughs> that is a conventional Bible. That is a traditional Bible. Talking about print and press Bible, right? That is. Did you know I've seen Pastor E preach at a funeral from his iPhone? Now, now here's the thing. Nobody would have known because he was, on, he was at the pulpit and I was standing next to him, right? Because I was presiding over the funeral and he was preaching at the funeral. Nobody would have seen it. it was on the lectern, but I saw it. Now, he might not have his Bible, quote unquote, but how many of you know that he's got his Bible? It's just in a different form. The verse, should I, was it? Division with, no, wash my mouth out with soap. Diversity without division. We as leaders have different styles. Now look at me, yeah? I've got my iPhone up here, I'm recording because sometimes the recording sometimes don't work out. Um, I got my, my iPad that I'm teaching from. I got my laptop that I'm doing a, like the keynote presentation from. But I also got my Bible. I'm keeping it old school to a degree. Now put your hand up if you're old school. Okay. Uh -huh, we've got two hands up over there. All right, put your hand up if you're new school. You, okay. It seems like the old school has it, but then half of you never even responded by putting your hand up. I don't know if that means you ain't got your Bible, whether it's literally or on the, I don't know. But um, now how, however you decide to do it, how many of you know you still have to read? Amen. There are no successful Christians who don't read. Now you might hate reading, but how many of you know you must? read if you're a believer. Now, I'm going to show you, you actually read all the time. Question is, what are you, what are we reading? Now, getting back to newspapers, newspapers provide us with news. They provide newly received and noteworthy information. It's communication of selected information, news. Now, commonly, news content um, contain the five W's. The who, what, when, where, and why, and then also the how of an event. The five W's. Now, with all news, you have three other vital elements. And the three vital elements are journalist, witness, and reader. A journalist is like a preacher. He gathers the information and delivers it to you. Now question, what would you say if I asked, how many sermons have you listened to this week? Some of you might respond by saying, well, you know, I listened to half a Pastor E's sermon um, on the train on the way to community group three weeks ago. 
Now notice I didn't ask what type of sermon did you listen to. The question I'm asking is, how many sermons have you listened to this week? Did you know you're actually listening to sermons? You're actually listening to preaching every single day. Tweets. There's a message in a tweet. Even though it's, what, is it 150 characters or something? Blogs. If you read a blog, you're listening to a message. You're listening to a preacher. Facebook. How about if you receive emails, there's a message in there. Someone communicating, someone preaching potentially to you. How about magazines? How many of us buy magazines, subscribe to magazines? How many of us read magazines on a daily basis and, as I mentioned earlier, newspapers? See, when you expose yourself to these different types of media, you're actually listening to an MTV pop star like Beyonce or Rihanna preaching to you. Or you're listening to a style guru like Gok preaching to you. It's a correspondent or a journalist or a preacher. And the question is, are they getting their information from reliable witnesses? As they communicate to you, the reader. Witnesses, you, the reader. Do you know that we actually read more than we think? Now, just focusing on the newspapers, the Bible is like a newspaper. Or should I say that newspapers are like the Bible? Notice the names of our tabloids and our broadsheets. These could actually be all descriptive of the Bible. These could all actually be descriptive of the Bible. Notice that they all come with the definite article. The. That is unlike the rest or above all the others. That's what the definite article, the, determines, right? The Guardian. Definite article. It's like them saying, we are the protectors of truth. We're the Guardian. The Observer, the Observer, definite article, if you like, the one that truly sees. The male, not just male, it's the definite article again, it's like the unique male. Can you see that? The Times, the Times, this is an ultimate description of the present. The times, and even the past, and possibly even the future. Actually, about World Cup 2016, or whenever it is. And then, the Daily Mirror. Now, I thought the Daily Mirror was definite article. I think it's just Daily Mirror, but it's got the voice of the Daily Mirror there, so take it or leave it. But Mirror, it's like they're saying that this is a true reflection of that which is. Right? And in James, the Bible talks about the Bible being a mirror. Now, I don't know about the sun, right? The S-U-N. Bit of a dodgy paper. 
But then again, the S-U-N possibly could describe Jesus, the S-O-N, because he is the S-U-N, right? Because he's the light of the world. All these titles could be descriptive of the Bible because like papers, like newspapers, the Bible also contains news. You know, used to have the news of the world, remember? I think that's one that went under. Well, that wouldn't be definitive enough, the news of the world. Not for the Bible. We would have to call it the news of the universe, and even that's not enough, the news of the universe and beyond. That's the caliber of news being reported in the Bible. It's on another level. Now, you can sum up the Bible in four words, which is really quite amazing. Four, you can sum up the news of the universe and beyond in four words. The whole overall message of the Bible, you ready for this? The whole Bible in four words. Creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. The whole Bible in four words. Creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. First of all, creation. How many of you know, how many of you know that God made a good world? And you can see that in Genesis 1. God made the light, he saw that, and, 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 and the light separated from the, the, the darkness, from the, and he saw that it was what? It was good. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And you consistently see that right up to the point where God makes man. And he doesn't just say that it's good. What did he say? He said it's very good. Creation. Now, it says that the earth was without form and void, and in six days, God brought order out of chaos. Creation. <clears throat> now, all of that is in chapter 1, chapter 2 of Genesis, right? Then, then we have the fall. In Genesis chapter 3, man flopped in the garden, or he fell, the fall. I mean, within two chapters of God creating, man flops. That just goes to show you, you know what I'm saying, the depravity of man. It goes to show two chapters, and already the man's dropped the ball. The fall. Then we have redemption. Redemption. Now, where do you find that in the Bible? You find redemption in the same chapter you find man falling. Right on the heels of man flopping, here comes God with the answer. Here comes God da -na 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 -da -na, to the rescue. Genesis 3, within the same chapter, God promises redemption and restoration. Genesis 3, verse 15, right? They call it the, the proto-evangelion. Proto meaning first, evangelion, gospel. The first gospel, the first bit of good news amidst the bad news. Right on the heels of the bad news, here comes redemption. And that's what most of the rest of the Bible is about. 
redemption. From Genesis 3.15 right up to Revelation chapter 20 and all this in between is the story of redemption. And what's the last one? Consummation. That is the end of all things. Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22, right at the end of the book, right? When it all gets wrapped up, when it's all done, when it's all finished, Maranatha. I see Harry put that up on one of the, one of the um, divine comments with regards to the whole end times argument. Like, come Jesus, come quickly. Now, that is an oversimplification, but that is the whole story of the Bible in four useful words. If the Bible were a newspaper, right there you have the front page, the two middle pages, and the back page. But this relates to the content, not necessarily the emphasis. This relates to the content, but not necessarily the emphasis. So, as much as creation is the start or the beginning, it wouldn't necessarily be the front page. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Now, how many of you know the Bible should be on every stand, every news, newspaper stand, standard? Right? Come and get your standard. The Bible should be right there with all the rest of them. The Bible should be right next to the daily standard. Standard. Honestly speaking, the Bible is the daily standard. And that's how you should see the Bible. Something that you read on a daily basis. In the same way that you read the newspaper. Amen? Now, there's nothing wrong with reading the newspaper. As long as you read your Bible like you read the newspaper at least in terms of your commitment and frequency. Why? Because it, it contains news. And it contains good news. It contains the definite article, good news. Can you see that? News. It contains noteworthy information. Good news it's actually great news, right? I mean, great news is still a gross understatement. And it's the good news. That means it's ultimate. There is no other more important news. You want to talk about definite article? It's the news. Talk about the five W's. I mean, apart from being the W, it's the A to Z, right? It's the A to Z of who, what, when, where, and why, and even how. And there is, there is a storyline throughout the Bible. Theologians call it a meta-narrative. Meta meaning big, narrative meaning story. There's a big story in the Bible. Now, many of you know sometimes it's, it's not really easy to see that. It's not easy to understand the big story. There are two books. There's one that's written by a guy called Vaughan Roberts. It's called God's Big Story. Not a really big book. Really recommend it. And then there's also another book by one of my ex-lecturers at Cornhill, an amazing Bible teacher called Christopher Ash. And it's called 
um, God's broken world and basically how the Lord is going about fixing it, restoring God's broken world. Two books on the meta-narrative on the big story. The Bible is a story. It has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end. Can you see that? Jesus himself believed in a biblical meta-narrative or a biblical big story. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, the Lord Jesus announces that the time has come. The time has come. Okay, well, it sounds, it sounds like something expected, something anticipated from an earlier time, right? The time has come, he says. He says, the kingdom of God is near. Okay, that's, that, sounds, that sounds as if it's closer now than it was before. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. So what? Repent and believe the what? Exactly what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. Believe the gospel. Believe the good news. According to Jesus, during his time, he is saying that they were in a particular that, that, that he, that they at the time were in a particular part of the narrative, a particular part of the story. And if the time had come, that is then to repent and believe the good news, then, how about now? Do you realize that, that we are in a particular point in the story? We are at a particular place in his story. And I don't think it would be unfair to say that we're probably very close to that point of consummation. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6. It's one of them great evangelistic verses. It says, seek the Lord when? While he may be found. That suggests, again, in terms of the big story, that he's not always going to be available. He's not always going to be in a place where you can find him. Depending on where you are in the narrative. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon his name while he is near. If you're here and you've never done that, how many of you know for you, that's good news? It was good news for me back in 1989. People have been praying for centuries. Come, Lord Jesus. How many of you know, I'm glad that he never came before October 1989. And if you're here... And you haven't come to that point where you believe in the gospel, believe in the good news, and you've repented, I'd encourage you to do that. Because apart from doing that, you'll feel the full force of God's wrath on the day of judgment. It's not going to be a good time. The kingdom of God has finally arrived and Jesus saw his life as a fulfillment of that plan. How many of you know that Jesus is the central message of the big story? If you like, that is the big news. It's Jesus. I'd be like, read all about it, read all about it. I should go and grab my cap again, look. 
This is one of them caps. I think they call it a newsboy cap. And it's them boys, they'd be standing out, out in the street and they'd have, I don't know, a bag of paper. Read all about it. Read all about it. The whole marriage thing being reconsidered in the comments. Read all about it. Right? That's, that's what they, we don't hear people say that now. That's what they used to say in the past. Here's the new school lick. <clears throat> I want to sing. I want to shout. I want to scream till the words dry out. So put it in all of the, what? Put it in all of the papers. I'm not afraid they can read all about it. Have you ever heard the first verse of that song? Oh my gosh. I, I, heard the fir- I heard this. I mean, I've heard the song, people singing it, and my girl singing it, and whatever. I read the first verse of this song this morning. I was like, wait a minute. I had to put it in. You've got the words to change a nation, but you're biting your tongue. You've spent a lifetime stuck in silence, afraid you'll say something wrong. If no one ever hears it, how are we going to learn your song? So come on, come on. You've got a heart as loud as lions. Oh, that's, my gosh. Is it Proverbs? It says the righteous are as bold as, as lions. So, so why let your voice be tamed? Baby, look, we leave that bit out, the baby part. We're... We're a little different. There's no need to be ashamed. You've got the light to fight the shadows. So stop hiding it away. It's Matthew 5. Come on, come on. So I want to sing. Come and sing it with me. I want to. No, I'm only joking. Don't. <laughs> this ain't X Factor. But you know what? That song, if you like, could be an apologetic for the gospel. That's a defense for the gospel. One of you needs to redo that song. Where's, where's Ella? Where's Elizabeth? Where's um, Charlotte? Where's Becky? She's sitting right there. Sir. And Crystal. Where's Crystal? My gosh. Wow. Read all about it. Read all about it. This is the news, the gospel. Now, if creation, fall, redemption, and consummation are the general overall storyline of the Bible, the central message of the Bible is what? See? It's the big part. The middle part, the redemption part, it's the part about Adam and Eve, two sinners who deserve judgment because they disobeyed the voice of of God. One command, and they disobeyed it. Yet, how many of you know they received mercy and grace? God, God covered their nakedness with the skin of an animal. That means he must have killed it. An animal was sacrificed to cover them. And yeah, they came out the garden, but that was mercy. How about Cain, who killed his brother Abel? He deserved death. 
eye for an eye. He should have died, even though that was before the law, right? He should have died. He was deserving of nothing but death, but he was spared. How about an undeserving sinner called Noah, who is rescued by God in spite of many losing their lives in the flood? Mercy, at least on Noah and his family, right? How about Abraham? You know where Abraham come from originally? A place called Ur of the Chaldees, which is modern day, well, ancient Babylon, modern day Iraq. That's where Abraham came from, and he was over there worshipping idols. He wasn't seeking God. God graciously came to him, chose him to be the father of a nation who would later on be asked to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And Pastor E done it the other day, which is a perfect picture because Isaac took the wood and put it on his back and he walked up the hill asking, well, I see the knife, I see the wood, I see the fire, where's the sacrifice? Fam, you're it. <laughs> but he wasn't, was he? Because it was a picture. And God says to Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son. Read the text, the son that you love. And Isaac wasn't his only son. But there was something going on there. There was a picture of when God himself was going to take his son, his only son, the son that he loved, and he would sacrifice him. And God makes a covenant, a permanent covenant with Abraham. He makes a promise to him that would affect the lives of every individual in the future. Abraham would become the father of all who believe. It says in Romans 4, verse 22 to 25, speaking of Abraham, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, that is God, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Galatians 3 verse 7 through 9 says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. You see this whole looking forward, and it's all one story, that God would justify the Gentiles in the future by faith. Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham. That's mad, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. See, that's God fulfilling the promise of Genesis 3.15. Hundreds of years later. So then those later on, that's potentially us. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Verse 29 says of Galatians 3, And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. How about some more of that central part, that redemption part? How about the Passover in Exodus? where an innocent lamb would be brutally slain and its blood splattered on the wooden upright door frames in the sign of a cross, the top and the sides. And those who put their trust in that blood and get in the house behind the blood are spared from death. Trust faith in the blood of a lamb that is slain. How about the whole sacrificial system in the book of Leviticus 
when you have sinful and sinless animal sacrifices slaughtered on the behalf of those who were guilty. Leviticus, you see what it's about? It's a part of the story. How about David and God's mercy in the light of his sinfulness? How about Samson and God's mercy in the light of his sinfulness? How about Jonah and God's mercy in the light of his sinfulness and also the sin of the Ninevites? How about Israel's national unfaithfulness? Their rebellion that leads to them going into exile. But then they're finally restored. Restoration brought to a wicked and sinful nation. The whole of the Old Testament is about God redeeming those who are unworthy and undeserving. And that's the gospel. How many of you know that's good news And God redeemed you and God redeemed me who were also unworthy and undeserving. They say the new is in the old concealed and the old is in the new revealed. They also say that the new is in the old contained and the old is in the new explained. That is the large middle section of the newspaper, your Bible, the center pages. That's redemption. But it doesn't stop there. The Old Testament answers the question, what is it all about? The next question is, who is it about? Who is the gospel? Who is this good news about? And it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Now, turn with me to Luke chapter 24. And we're done. I'm going to read something. Luke 24. Then I'm going to make some statements. Then we're done. Luke 24. Starting at verse 1. Now, 1 Corinthians 15 is all about the resurrection. It's mentioned 20 times or references to it in 1 Corinthians 15. Right? Now, this portion in Luke is talking also about the resurrection. Jesus coming back from the dead. Verse 1, Luke chapter 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found a stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee? but you lot weren't listening, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. It couldn't have been clearer. 
And then they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Remember, Judas has gone by this time. Now, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. So it was women who who, who understood the, the fact that Jesus had raised from the dead. And Luke does that, doesn't he? He always highlights the disenfranchised women. He always highlights Gentiles. That's Luke. I mean, because Luke is the only Gentile writer in Scripture, right? He wrote Luke and he wrote Acts. Luke 1 and 2. The women... But it says, and they didn't believe them, verse 12, but Peter rose and said, what? Wait a minute. Ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. It's classic. Jesus told Peter particularly, specifically, three times this was going to happen. And he's in there scratching his head trying to figure out what I'll go on. <laughs> Typical Peter. That's just, it's like all of us though, isn't it? Oh, I ain't got time. Verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with, with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding and with each other as you walk and as you talk? And they stood still looking sad, because they never believed either. Then one of them named Cleopas, he's the only one that's named out of the two, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? (laughs) And he said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, (laughs) a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death, and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Redeem Israel. Because they knew that there was coming someone who was going to bring restoration. They understood the story. They understood the what, but guess what they didn't understand? They didn't understand the who. We had hoped that He was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. The women were right. Like most of the time. But him, they did not see. And he said to them, this is Jesus now. Remember, the stranger that they don't recognize. He says to them, oh foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Verse 27. And beginning where? With Moses. Where does Moses start in terms of his writings? Genesis. The first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers are the the books of Moses. And starting, beginning with Moses and all of the prophets. Oh my gosh. Major and minor. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obed, name them. 
all the prophets. How many of you know that's two big parts of your Old Testament? Here comes the last one, the other big part. He says, and beginning with Moses and all, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Or did I miss it? Oh, it's coming, don't worry. So, they drew near to the village. Wait a minute. Now, can you see that Jesus is communicating something to them, not just about the what, but about the who. And he says, it's all about me. From Moses right through the prophets. It's all about me. Verse 20, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. And he acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us. Stay with us. For it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And miraculously at this point, their eyes were opened. I don't know if they saw the nail prints in his hand. There's a lot of conjecture around this. We don't know. But at this point, they understand who he is. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Can you see that? If the Bible was a newspaper, this was the question I was going to answer earlier that I said I'd leave till later. If the Bible was a newspaper, guess who would be on the front page? Guess who would be on the front cover? Guess who would be the, the headline story? It'd be, it would be Jesus. Let's end on this. What is your response to hearing this? What is your response to hearing about God creating and everything being good, but man messing it up? really quickly but then God immediately responding and setting in motion a plan that was going to restore man and it's and at a certain point that's going to be it God's going to wrap it up knowing that that is the story and Jesus himself who's the who's the centerpiece of the story, he's the headline, he says, based on the fact that, you know what, the kingdom has now come, he, sa- he says, he says, repent and believe the gospel. Change the way that you think. That leads to a change in the way that you act. Because if you don't, there will be serious consequences. Now, how many of you know that's good news? If, if I had to stand before God on the basis of rejecting that, I don't deserve anything but judgment. In the light of God being so good, in the, in the shadow of me being so bad, that's good news. How do you 
respond upon hearing this good news? Will you believe it? And then as a result, turn away from your sins because it's, it's those very sins that put Jesus on the cross. It's those very sins that cause the innocent victim to be sacrificed. See, the gospel, the good news, the good news about Jesus stands at the center of, of us being a healthy church. Because a healthy church is made up of healthy people, you know, defined as forgiven. That's healthy. And once we're healthy, we have the ability then to disciple others. That is sharing the good news with other people. That's basically what discipleship is, isn't it? And trying to hold them accountable to that good news if they're willing. God wants us to be healthy on the basis of the gospel, equipped to disciple others in an effective manner. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for... Thank you for giving us help and insight to a book that is very complicated. And it's a big book. And it's amazing how the beginning of the book takes up so much of the big story, creation and the fall in, in 3.5 chapters. And we're so grateful that right on the back of that fall, you intervened. Father, we, we sometimes don't realize how lost we actually are. We're so lost, we don't know that we're lost. I thank you that you came and you, you intervened, you you, you came looking for that which was lost. Thank you that Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus came to seek and save, rescue that which was lost. And that was us. We weren't seeking you. The Bible says, Father, no man seeks after God. No, not one. Thank you for pursuing us. Lord, some of us, you pursued for a long time and we resisted you and we stiff-armed you. We weren't interested. But in your love and your grace, you continue to pursue us. No wonder the songwriter can sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Father, thank you. Thank you for the good news on the back of very, very bad news and all because of your mercy and your consistent grace, your steadfast mercy and grace. And it's all to be found in the Lord Jesus. Amen. To find out more about us, visit our website at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at CC South London. Join us next time 
For more of God's truth to transform your reality.